Hello and welcome to My Chaotic Mind. I'm Kaz and in this podcast I'll be sharing my thoughts, opinions and experiences juggling adult life with eating disorder recovery. And maybe there'll even be a laugh or two along the way because let's face it, being an adult is difficult enough without throwing an eating disorder into the mix. So, if you're ready, it's time to come with me through the looking glass. Hello and welcome to the final episode of series one of My Chaotic Mind. But fear not, dear listener, there will be a series two and planning for that is already underway. So make sure you're following this podcast on whichever platform you listen and that way you'll be notified as soon as series two drops. And maybe I'll even sneak in a bonus episode. Summer, that time of year when social media, certainly my social media anyway, becomes flooded with photos of my friends lounging on golden beaches, sipping tropical drinks by a gorgeous pool or just standing in an airport lounge, sunglasses and sun hats on, ready to go. Am I envious? Hell yes. I would love to be in a warm country, sipping cocktails brought to me by a waiter, sampling different foods, going on excursions, having a turquoise ocean to paddle in or even within this country, just sitting in the sunshine, sipping frozen cocktails, late summer evening strolls with a man who loves me, going for picnics with friends and family, though the picture-perfect picnic in my head lifted straight from a French cheese advert in reality would probably involve fending off hungry geese. So what's stopping you, you might ask? Well, putting aside for the moment the fact that I'm currently single and can't afford a Caribbean cruise, there's only one thing stopping me, and that is my eating disorder. As a teenager, I was extremely fortunate to have some wonderful family holidays, and I was able to enjoy myself and make some amazing memories. But the whole time that I was away... A big part of me just could not wait to get back home, to get back to my structure and my routines and my safe foods, because breaking all of these was so overwhelming to me. And at this time, my parents were not fully aware I had an eating disorder, and they certainly didn't know the extent of it. I spent years of my life thinking I was a homebody and... I really did not like to travel. I've since realised that is not actually true. Kaz loves to travel. It's anorexia. Who doesn't? And when I say travel, I don't just mean trips abroad or holidays in the UK. Even day trips can be so anxiety provoking for me that I end up panicking and not being able to go. I have missed so many weddings and get-togethers and nights out because I succumb to this fear. I can't cope with people randomly dropping in to visit me with little to no warning. I cannot do spontaneity 
And that is all because of my eating disorder, because in the time when I was recovered, I could be as spontaneous as the next person. And I was quite happy to go with the flow. But when you have a restrictive eating disorder with so many rules and regulations, it just constricts your life so much. Most people with eating disorders, and I certainly include myself in this, have a range of foods which we would regard as being relatively safe to eat. Going on holiday can mean not having access to these safe foods. It can mean not knowing where, when or what you're going to eat. And that is terrifying. I remember a holiday to Spain when I was a teenager and we'd gone to a cafe for lunch and the only thing on the menu I felt I might be vaguely okay to eat was scrambled eggs. So that's what I ordered. What was put down in front of me was a plate of very yellow looking scrambled eggs covered in prawns with eyes. And I freaked out. The eggs had obviously been cooked with butter and possibly milk or cream. And the prawns were looking at me. My parents were understandably annoyed when I refused to even eat just the eggs when the prawns had been removed. They didn't know how utterly terrified I was at that point in time. Every instinct in my body was screaming at me to run away. My brain just could not cope with the fact that the food I had been given was so completely different to how I had been expecting it to be. One of the joys of going on holiday should be sampling foods cooked in traditional ways or different ways to how we have them back home. And when you have an eating disorder, pretty much all of that kind of enjoyment is off the cards. This is just one example. Pretty much every single meal on holiday or away from home is like this for me. And I am using the present tense because it's still a problem. As well as what you eat, there's also the question of when you eat. If you're on holiday, then you may be limited by the times where meals are served, if they are in restaurants. You may also have to compromise on the time at which you eat. If you're with a group of people, then generally you'll pick the time that is most convenient for the majority. So if you're somebody who's used to eating your dinner, bang on 6pm every single evening, and suddenly you're having to wait until 8pm, that, when you have an eating disorder, is a major problem. Those without eating disorders may find it difficult to understand why it's so distressing to have to wait an hour longer to eat or why we can't just kick back and relax and enjoy ourselves because we're on holiday for goodness sake. Sadly, we cannot leave our eating disorders at home. They come with us whether we want them to or not. And it's not just the food that can be an issue. 
I am somebody who exercises compulsively and it's something I have been working on and I have made some progress with. But for me, a long journey sitting in a car, on a train, on a plane still causes so much anxiety. I would always tell myself I was going to restrict on the journey because I wouldn't be able to do my usual exercise. But guess what? Every single time I failed to restrict on the journey because like every other human being on the planet, I got hungry. I ate and I then had to deal with huge feelings of guilt because I'd eaten and couldn't exercise. And that is such a toxic, messed up cycle. And I'm sure it's one that will be far too familiar to many of you listening right now. It's a way of thinking that we really need to break. Nobody should be exercising in order to feel better about eating. There are far too many times to count where my eating disorder caused unnecessary tension and arguments on holidays. Looking back, my parents must have thought I was so ungrateful, but they now know the reasons behind my behaviour. And I would urge anyone with an eating disorder who is planning a trip or a holiday to talk over with anyone you're going with ways which can help you to cope with any anxiety or fear that you may have. And if you're the friend or family member of someone with an eating disorder and you're going on holiday, try and make allowances for their illness. They may not have the energy to do all the things that you want to do and they may not be able to cope with eating at all the places you want to eat, but that's okay. It's about reaching a compromise and that's something that I do with my family, whenever we plan anything, we talk it through and we make a plan and we compromise where we have to on both sides. It's not all about accommodating me and it's certainly not about enabling my eating disorder. And there is a big difference between compromising and accommodating and enabling. And if you don't feel up to going on a trip, Don't be afraid to say you don't feel up to it because if you force yourself to go and you know 100% you cannot cope with it, nobody is going to enjoy it. Of course, with summer comes the inevitable barrage online, in magazines, newspapers and on television of beach body bikini ready diets. Just in case my feelings about these are not clear from my tone of voice, I am not a fan. Though, of course, in my teenage years, I gobbled up these diets, figuratively speaking. Tips such as get off your bus one stop early. Which is fine, unless, as I did, you live out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere and getting off your bus one stop early means you have an eight-mile walk to get home. I believe these diets only help to perpetuate the myth that there is an ideal body one should have in order to be seen in a swimsuit or a bikini or a mankini or whatever your swimwear of choice is. I'm not going to judge. 
a lot of people dread summer because they are so insecure about how their bodies look and they are worried about exposing their arms and their legs or wearing swimwear. And that breaks my heart. Our bodies are living organisms and as such they are always changing and there's no point in trying to force your body to be a size or a shape that it just isn't meant to be because you won't be happy and your body certainly won't be happy. Take a snapshot of any beach in the world and there will be such a variety of ages, sizes and shapes of body. I've never been to a nudist beach but I have seen enough late night Channel 5 documentaries to know that a lot of the people who frequent these beaches do not have a body that one would typically describe as an Adonis. They're just normal people with normal bodies in their natural state, having a blast and not really caring what they look like. I need to be clear here, I am not suggesting we should all run about naked. I live in Scotland. My natural skin colour is practically blue. I would burn. But the point I'm making is that these people do not care what they look like. They do not care what those around them look like. They are far too busy playing naked beach volleyball and whatever else it is they do on nudist beaches. The majority of people who have gone to the beach are there to enjoy themselves and have a lovely day out. They're going to be too busy trying to keep sand out of their snacks. I said snacks. Or keep an eye on the kids to make sure they don't bury each other alive or drown one another in the sea. To notice or judge someone else for their choice of beach attire. Of course... There will always be one or two exceptions. Some people do go to the beach because they want to show their body off. And you know what? Fair play to them if that's their thing. I'll never forget the time that my mum and I were just innocently strolling along a beach. And we came across a man standing in the sea, ankle deep, definitely in later middle age, wearing the smallest, tightest lime green thong I think I have ever seen in my life. He was very bronzed and standing with his hands on his hips, obviously wanting to display his physique to its best possible advantage. He was wanting to draw attention and he was succeeding. If you're not actively looking to draw attention on the beach, then chances are you won't. If everyone else on the beach is wearing beachwear, you're not going to stand out. People are far more likely to notice the person wearing black tights in 20 plus degree heat than somebody wearing shorts. And do the opinions of people you may never even speak to really matter? If you do inadvertently find yourself caught up in any chat about silly summer diets and it's triggering for you, you can try to steer the conversation in another direction or you can just walk away. Or, as I would probably do, you can launch into a lengthy diatribe about why diets do not work. Chances are 
If you do that, they'll never talk to you about diets ever again. If you're travelling with somebody who has an eating disorder or perhaps they're coming to visit you, one of the most important things I think you can do is have an open, honest conversation with them and make plans for the time that you'll be spending together. And when I say plans, I mean things like asking that person what they think may be difficult or what is making them feel anxious and come up with a way that can help them to cope better or lessen that anxiety. And certainly when it comes to food, I would have a discussion with that person about what they feel they can and cannot cope with and plan together the meals that you are going to have. When I go to my parents for dinner, we always plan the meal we're going to have together and we do that every single time. My parents don't assume, okay, Kaz is fine with eating X, Y, Z, so every time she comes we'll have X, Y, Z. I would say if you're in any doubt at all, just ask the person what they feel they need or what they want. A lot of people with eating disorders have a lot of difficulty in acknowledging and expressing their needs. So don't assume that they will just tell you because the chances are they probably won't. And it's definitely better to check than to try and guess and maybe get things wrong. I actually found that being asked what I wanted or needed made it easier over time for me to actually just state it without needing to be asked. No matter where you're travelling or the purpose of that trip. If you have an eating disorder, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of planning. I'm certainly not suggesting that you need an hour by hour itinerary of the entire time you'll be away. But just having some plans in place can lessen the anxiety and take away some of the fear of the unknown. I often find that whenever I reach my destination, any anxiety I'm feeling certainly lessens if it doesn't dissipate altogether because I become engrossed in the experience and I'm enjoying myself and I'm not thinking about the things that would make me anxious. And for me, it's also about being realistic about what I can and cannot cope with. I can't tell you how frustrating it is to be a 41-year-old woman who cannot feed myself properly when most toddlers can do it. I am not known for my patience and I have been known to let frustration cause me to push myself too hard, too fast, in effect, to try to run before I can walk. 
And in the context of my eating disorder, that usually ends badly, by which I mean a binge and purge and or restriction and or some other kind of compensatory measure. I have had to accept I have an illness. This recovery process is going to take time. If you're travelling abroad in eating disorder recovery, it's important to make sure you prepare if there's going to be a difference in time zones, particularly if you're going further afield and we're talking several hours and possible jet lag. You need to have a plan for how you're going to ensure that you don't skip any meals or snacks while you're adjusting to the new time zone, both when you're going out and once you return home. It's all too easy to just skip a meal or a snack here or there because, you know, what does one one snack matter? It matters an awful lot because you're giving the eating disorder a way in and all it needs is the tiniest crack and it will start pushing that door wide open. When I am going on lengthy journeys, I tend to take my own meals and snacks where I can. And when I say meals, I'm talking about things like, you know, sandwiches. I'm not like taking a three-course roast dinner with me. But that way, I've always got something I can eat. And I can eat at the times that I want to eat, regardless of when everyone else is eating. And I would say that at least make sure you've got a snack with you whenever possible. But if you are going on a flight, do check the regulations of the country you're going to because nobody wants to end up in a foreign jail for fruit smuggling. The last time I actually went on holiday abroad was in November 2014. It was a girl's trip to Milan that my cousin Ashley had organised for her birthday and she invited her mum two of her mum's friends, myself, my mum and my mum's cousin. Now, I had never met the two friends of Ashley's mum before. So I was facing the very daunting prospect of going on holiday and not only being torn out of my comfort zones in every way possible, but also meeting two complete strangers and trying to hide from them the fact that I had an eating disorder. Every part of me, Kaz, really wanted to go, but the eating disorder voice was screaming at me all the reasons that I couldn't go. And I spent a lot of time talking things over with my mum to reach a decision about whether or not I was going to go on this trip. When it came to rooms, I was going to be sharing with my mum and my mum's cousin. So I wasn't even going to have a room of my own where I would be able to indulge any of my eating disorder behaviours. It made me think long and hard about whether or not I was actually going to go. Another factor is that my mum and I are based in Scotland and we were going to have to travel down to Manchester, have an overnight, then fly out and similarly on the return journey 
have an overnight in Manchester before a train journey back up to Scotland. So I had a train and plane journey to factor in as well as the time in Milan. I made the decision to go and even though I was extremely anxious, I'm so, so glad that I went. We had an amazing time. I wish I could say it was free from eating disorder behaviours, but of course it wasn't. However, I didn't let the illness dominate the trip. For Ashley's birthday, we went to the Dolce and Gabbana lounge and she and I had an exclusive cocktail that you can only get there. So it really was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And if I hadn't had that cocktail, then it's an experience I wouldn't get to have again. And after that, we went to a restaurant called Paper Moon, where I had an absolutely divine, proper Italian pizza. As I said earlier, it was November when we went, so the weather wasn't that great. It was a bit damp and a bit chilly, but we were still able to see the sights, have a tour of the fashion houses, see some truly hideous and overpriced items of clothing. We also went to Grom and had proper Italian gelato, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I didn't purge. I was not going to go to Italy and not have proper Italian food, which I love. On Ashley's birthday, I remember pulling her to one side and telling her my eating disorder was not invited that night. And it wasn't. I didn't let any eating disorder thoughts spoil that evening. It was the last birthday Ashley ever had. If I had not gone to Milan... I would not have been part of that experience. I would have regretted it for the rest of my life. If you've spent money to go on holiday, do you really want to spend the time worrying about calories, what you look like, how much exercise you're doing? Do you want to soak up the experiences, try the food you really, really want to try, have those amazing sounding drinks, go on excursions, make memories that you'll keep forever. I don't think I could tell you what I weighed in Milan, although there were scales in the hotel, which did take me somewhat by surprise, but I guess it is a fashion capital, so really I should have been expecting it. What I remember are the fun times we had, the places we saw and the delicious food and drink and the in-jokes about being very actual. Hasn't your eating disorder stolen enough of your life? Every second you are not in recovery is another second wasted to this illness. We all have a choice. I really, truly hope that you will choose life and living it in all its wonderful and messy glory. Go and listen to It's My Life by Bon Jovi. That song says it all and it will always remind me of Ashley. None of us know how much time we've got left. We really should make the most of it. And trust me, the older you get, the faster time seems to pass. 
I swear I was 21 just a couple of years ago. Word of mouth is the only way to let people know that this podcast exists. So if you have enjoyed series one, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a moment to rate, review and share it with any family, friends or professionals whom you think would benefit from listening to it. If you would like to get in touch to share your experiences, you can send an email to edpodcasts at gmail.com or a DM on Instagram to at edpodcast. I'm more than happy to hear from anybody over the age of 18, whether you have an eating disorder, you're a friend or family member, or a professional or carer for somebody who has one. It would be fantastic to be able to share some experiences that are different from my own. I know myself how difficult it can be to put yourself out there and share your story, but it really can help so many people, even if it's just to make them feel less alone in their struggle. Finally, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who has been with me, whether that has been from the very beginning or whether you have joined in along the way. It has been really good having you along for the ride and I'm looking forward to being back in your ears very soon. been listening to my chaotic mind with me Kaz please do rate share and subscribe to this podcast if you have enjoyed it you can follow me on instagram at edpodcaz that is edpodcaz c-a-z please do feel free to send me a direct message on there if you want to. And I hope to see you back here soon for the next episode.